Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. We're in the season of Advent, so we are uh, the third week into this season called Advent, and it's a four-week season that Christians around the planet celebrate and have for many, 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 many years, centuries, and it's a season of expectancy. You all, by this time, know what Advent means, so tell me, what does Advent mean? Okay. Arrival. Advent just means arrival. It's a Latin word, aventus, and it means well, the English word comes from the Latin word, means arrival. It's the arrival of some person or some event of importance. Yeah, so we're in a season of expectation as we think about, God bless you, the arrival of Jesus, of course, on the day that we call Christmas. You know, Jesus people didn't call it Christmas at that time, but that's become part of the church world. In any case, we're in a season As we look forward to the day of Christmas when we will celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then we're also thinking about three arrivals. When Jesus came at his birth, so the Messiah came in fulfillment of the long-held promises that one day an anointed one would come. One who would be a king. One who would sit on the throne of David. He did it in a different way than his, um, his people expected. He came and surprised them in a different way. But born of a virgin, the Messiah has come and begin establishing the kingdom of God on earth. Then we also look forward to the day when he will come again. The promise of his second coming. Jesus left and said, I'm coming back again. I'm going to consummate the kingdom at that time. I'm going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And we are anticipating and thinking about the ongoing arrival of Jesus by his Holy Spirit in our lives day by day. We can anticipate, in fact, some of you had an arrival this morning, right? You experienced the presence of God just as we gathered together to welcome and worship him in this place. And it, it wasn't just a distant memory of an event a couple thousand years ago. It wasn't just a hope of a future in the distant or near future. We're not sure which. Um, It was a celebration of his arrival today. Lord, we want to say thank you that you have promised to be present when even two of us are gathered in your name. We are here. We're talking about your arrival, and we thank you that you have arrived. We thank you for your presence. We ask you to speak to us today. We'd encounter you. We'd grow in you. We'd know you more. Like we sang, we need you more and we want to know you more. Welcome, Lord Jesus. There are four themes that Christians around the world think about and celebrate in various ways when they talk about Advent. Does anyone remember any of them? Okay, hope. What else? Joy. What else? Peace. What else? Look, you guys are just such good Christian students. <laughs> Everybody gets an A. Yeah, the, the, the four themes are hope, peace, joy, 
and love. And if you were in a traditional, more traditional church, we'd have some kind of candles and we'd light a particular candle every Sunday. And they would all be purple, as I know, as I think. I'm not good at this, except for one. One is pink, and it is the joy candle, also called the shepherd's candle. Why do you think that would be? Oh, you guys, think. Why, why do you think they call it the shepherd's candle? What happened on the... Jesus, yeah, what's that verse? Luke 2.18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. You know this because you have seen the Peanuts Christmas special. As I said last week, and you've seen Linus say, I know the meaning of Christmas. And there were shepherds living out, so it's called the shepherd's candle, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And don't make fun of them, because you would be too. Giant angel just pops into the dark night, glowing, filling up the night like it's noon. And of course, if you ever encounter an angel in the Bible, this is what they tell you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. So that's the theme we're talking about today. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then the announcement, today in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. Uh, the, this is the, the Greek interpretation translated to English, Christ. He would have said to these shepherds, speaking either in Hebrew or Aramaic, this is Messiah. This is the Messiah. This would be a sign to you. You find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, swaddled. In a strange place, though. What's a baby doing in a manger? Do you remember the story why the baby's in a manger? Yes, yeah, so they had to go to their town for a census. And it was interesting, this is the hand of God at work using people. Uh, the, the governor, or the, actually the emperor decided, I think I want to see how many people I have in my empire so I can tax them more. The IRS was already at work back then. They had just spent $80 billion to hire more agents, and they said, let's count them. And they said, you have to go to the town where you came from. Well, this is important because the Messiah needs to come from Bethlehem. And the mother, Mary, who's pregnant by, an, by, the, by the hand of God, somehow in some mysterious way, she's, she's a virgin. She's never been with a man, and yet she's pregnant by miraculous means. And she now has to travel very pregnant. And women, how would you like to be on a donkey? right before you're going to give birth. No, thank you. So she had to travel to Bethlehem because the Messiah was prophesied. He'd be from Bethlehem. So the Lord used the emperor. He thought he was just doing taxes, but God said, no, no, I got a plan. I got to get this woman to Bethlehem. So she went there. She gives birth, but there's no, no hospital room. In fact, there's not even a Motel 6 room available at the time. Everything's sold out because everyone's going there and for their census, so they find a stable, kind of back behind some house where the sheep are, where the cows are. Can you imagine what it smelled like? Have you ever been in a barn? When Jesus went, you know, when he was in school and he left the door open and the teacher said, were you born in a barn? He said, yes. 
See, that wasn't planned. That's the problem when you're talking and an idea comes to you and you just say it. Let me stand over here. Maybe it'll be better. <laughs> Jesus was born in a barn. So there was no room for him in the inn because there was, it was sold out. So he's born in a manger. They put this baby. A manger is like this, this feeding trough. There's cow drool. didn't smell right. It certainly wasn't sanitary. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the promised one, put in a stable. Did you ever think about that? How he came in humility? The most approachable king in the history of kings comes in poverty, comes in humility, so that we can all relate to him. So they placed him in a manger, feeding trough, and the angel said, go find the baby in the feeding trough. They did, and they went and rejoiced. That's why it's called the shepherd's, the shepherd's candle. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. I think a great company means thousands and thousands. The sky lit up. Can you just picture that? You've got to get in the story if you want to enjoy it. Can you picture the sky? There's one angel, it's terrifying. Suddenly, if that wasn't enough, you're going about to be really terrified. The entire sky is lit up with these angelic beings who I think probably look really tough, really warrior-like. I don't think they're like little cherubs, you know, the little fat little guy with the arrow. I don't think they're like that. The Valentine's Day guy, you know, which is what people do in paintings, right? But no, I think they look like they're tough. Giant, muscular, warrior-like. And they're singing glory to God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's already, that's, that's joyful already for me. So we, we want to talk about the theme of joy today. And I, like I often do, I want to ask your opinion. What, how would you define joy? Knowing Everything's going to be, is all right, and it's going to be all right. There's a song like, don't worry, be happy, because every little thing's going to be all right. So that's joy. Okay. It's a, oh, say that again, Michael. A state of well-being. Not based on circumstance. Okay. Someone else? I need someone from this side just to make it balanced. What, what would you define joy as? When you have gratitude. Good job, honey. Now, I think that's one of the great practices that can produce joy in us. If you have a lack of joy, try making a Thanksgiving list. I would say that's true, honey. Yeah, okay, so fully surrendered to Christ. Okay, now let's ask some professionals. So I, I like you, have a phone and a computer and a pad kind of thing, and so I search the internet, because you know if it's on the internet, it must be true, right? <laughs> no, the, the, you know, think of the internet as a giant library, like you're going in, you're pulling a book out, and what the information you get is only as good as the book that's on that shelf. So there's a book library called Bible.org, and here's what they said. Joy is a deep inner gladness, regardless of circumstances going on around you. 
And then I had to see what Dallas Willard had to say, because I always refer to him. Joy is not the mere sensation of pleasure. It is a pervasive, constant, and unending sense of well-being that flows from vision, peace, righteousness, and hope. True joy is robust, even including outright hilarity. You ever burst into laughter when you had joy? You ever, you, you see um, in the movies and also in reality when there's some seriously dangerous situation, like remember that baby that fell in a well many years ago? Was it her name Jessica? And there was this massive international rescue. And when they finally pulled her out, there was hilarity and applause and shouting and joy. That's joy, right? That's that, that hilarity. We can experience the joy of being in God's kingdom even in the midst of suffering and loss. That's what I think is in mind when the angel says to the shepherds who are not in a good time nationally. They are a country who is being ruled by Rome. And Rome was not nice. You know, they call it the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. It was enforced by fear. Step out of the line, we'll nail you to a cross. That's where they lived under. But the angel said, great joy. In spite of the circumstances, great joy. Um, another, another guy that I reference sometimes for you, I always I refer you to him to read or listen to him. Is, he's actually passed on, but pastor in New York City called Tim Keller. Has anyone ever heard of Tim Keller? Great, great wisdom. And he uh, listened to a sermon of his on joy as I was thinking about talking with you. And I, he gave what I thought was a really good metaphor. He said, there is a joy that's kind of like a babbling brook. Lots of noise, but pretty shallow. Have you ever met someone who can yuck it up at a party? They're, they can tell the jokes, but you re, if you know them, you know that just underneath the surface, there's no joy. There's a, the joy that's like that, like a babbling brook, but there's also a kind of joy that's like a river, infinitely deeper than a brook, but makes almost no noise at all. I like that picture. Deep, smooth on the surface, can handle... Bends in the river that are bad circumstances, but always flowing, always constant. There's strength. There's a depth. There's a sense of well-being. That's the kind of joy we're talking about. So that, that's important to know as we think about joy, because Christian joy, as we said, some of you said, is not dependent on circumstances. It's much deeper than that. So we read about Jesus, this, these words, he was despised and rejected by men. That's one of the prophecies about the Messiah. And it was true about Jesus. Despised. They killed him. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. You can have joy while having sorrow and suffering. If it's real joy. Because at the same time, we read this about him. This is in Hebrews, talking about Jesus, quoting a psalm that prophesied about the Messiah. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God. Jesus is God, by the way. There's another place where it says it. 
will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, isn't that interesting? God talking to God. Two, there's three, but they're one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we'll talk about that another time. Complicated thought, Trinity, but here it is. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So Jesus was a man of sorrow. He was anointed with the oil of joy. So this is kind of the, the first thing I want us to get a hold of as we're thinking about joy. Who is the most joyful person? Oh, you don't want to answer because you're afraid you get it wrong. Who's the most joyful person in the universe? That helps. God. God is the most joyful person in the entire universe. And I suspect if your impression of God came from Hollywood, that might not be the first thing you think of. You might more think of a severe, somewhat grumpy, judgmental old man with a big beard. Oh, <laughs> I won't repeat that. <laughs> Yeah, certain church environments may have taught you that. Do you think of God as the most joyful person in the whole world, in the whole universe? He is. We just read about Jesus, but listen to this. Psalm 1611. You, you make me known, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. I mean, what, what on earth is fullness of joy? That's, you can't get any more of it. It's completely full. It's to the top. In the presence of God is where there is fullness of joy. God is the most joyful being in the universe. He's never bummed. One person said, God's in a good mood. He's always in a good mood. He's so joyful. Fullness of joy in his presence. It's really important what you believe about God. And if, if you believe, or if I believe, if we believe that God is the most joyful being in the universe, and my life is rooted in him, I follow him, I find my source from him, everything is measured by his person. God is the most joyful person in the universe. That will really impact how you live. If, if you're thinking about God all the time and you're thinking about how joyful he is and you, you ask a prayer, you say a prayer, a request, and you think, he's super happy right now. I mean, have you ever asked your parents something and you want to wait till they're in a good mood? Right? God's always in a good mood. He's always full of joy. I think some of you are like, I'm not sure I'm getting this. I don't know if I believe it. God's always full of joy. He is as happy as any person has ever been. Well, think about this. God, in a way that we can understand, is eternal without beginning, without end. And he's always existed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each of them are really into the other two. Have you ever had someone that just loves you and speaks highly of you and encourages you and never is against you and always is for you and is about your glory? That's what God's like. The Father is always about the Son's glory and the, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's always... Pointing people to Jesus, the Son, and the Father. And, and Jesus is all about the Father. And they, they are like in a dance of love. 
God has always been in a community of love. Wouldn't you be joyful? The reason I think that he created us is so he could spread the joy and have some more of it. How about this? Have you ever seen a really cool scene from nature? Maybe you watched um, one of those PBS specials. Like, I, I pictured those incredible uh, pictures of videos sort of in slow motion of these giant whales splashing through the ocean waves. Have you seen that image before? And it's just like, oh, in fact, we will pay money to go whale watching. Or, or um, a moonlit sky over fresh fallen snow. Or an incredible sunset maybe over the ocean or, or one of those Arizona sunsets that are purple and pink and yellows and all these colors. Or, oh, um, a, a newborn polar bear. How cool is that when you see that, right? And you feel joy. We will pay money to go to the zoo to see these things, right? So imagine the best pictures in nature. God sees all of that all the time. All the time. He opens his eyes, and he's looking at all that stuff. And he made it, so he's pretty stoked on himself. Just completely satisfied. You don't think God's full of joy? How about this? God never worries. He never thinks, oh, my gosh, I wonder how tomorrow's going to be. He doesn't, he's like, oh, myself, what am I going to do? He never worries. He has zero anxiety. He's always at peace. He always knows how everything's going to work out. He doesn't really need anything because he's got everything in himself. And he just makes stuff because it's fun to make stuff. And he creates. God is full of joy. So when the angels say, I bring you great tidings of good joy, they're just saying, I'm going to introduce God to you. Um... Think about this. All over the world, by the minute, people are having a revelation of who Jesus is and giving their life to him. Around the world, 24 hours a day, that's happening right now. Here's what Jesus said. I told, he told them a parable, Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave 99 in the open country and go over the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, yeah, I found my sheep. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And Jesus tells that same story three times in a row with different, different same principle. The point being, every time someone says, I I'm turning to you, God. I'm turning away from my old ways. I'm turning to you. I'm going to receive your gift of salvation. There is a huge party in heaven at that moment. So there's just one constant party going on in heaven right now. I mean, doesn't that sound fun? Sound joyful? God is full of joy. So that's the main, the first thing I want us to grab a hold of and, and just consider. Consider through the week. God is absolutely full of joy. But the second idea to help bring this to us is that in spite of the fact that 
Christianity in the West or America, probably Western culture, in the last hundred years or so has acted as though the whole point of it all is to figure out how to get you into heaven when you die. How do you know you're going to heaven has been an evangelism tool. Uh, you show up at heaven, what are you going to say? Why should they let you in? Maybe you've heard someone say that. And then you have to say, well, I'm not worthy, but Jesus died for my sins. So I believe in him so I can get into heaven. But it's as if the whole point of everything is how do you get to heaven when you die? And that's it. That's completely not biblical. I don't know if you knew that. Sorry to explode your bubble. The Bible picture is not that. The gospel is not about how do you get into heaven. That's included. It's really about God's plan to bring heaven to earth. That's the vision. I'm going to, at the end of days, make a new heaven and new earth, bring them together as one. God's purpose is to bring heaven to earth. By the way, Jesus taught his disciples to pray a certain way. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, bring heaven to earth. So if God is the most joyful person in the universe... Heaven, by extension, is the most joyful place. It's not Disneyland. It's actually heaven. And God's plan, and it's free, by the way. It was paid for by someone else, by the Lord himself. God's plan is to bring heaven to earth and to bring the joy of heaven to earth. So, let's read this. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I've read this to you so many times. Maybe you'll have it memorized by now. For the first, this is John seeing what's going to happen at the end of days, as Jesus showed him. For the first heaven and the earth has passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as beautifully as a bride dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God coming to earth, heaven coming to earth. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That vision gives me joy. Does it give you joy? When I think about that, and it's, it's reality. It's my reality, and it's the reality. When I think about that, it fills me with joy. And we're talking about the arrival, right? This experience began with the coming of Jesus and will be consummated at his second coming. And right now, we are in the process of experiencing many tastes of it day by day. Have you ever experienced heaven coming to you? And you had at least a moment of incredible peace, joy, freedom from pain, freedom from worry, because heaven filled you up, and as it is in heaven, it was on earth for you, at least in a moment. So we pray, your kingdom come. And every time we are doing the works of God in proclaiming his good news and feeding the hungry and healing the sick and ministering to the downcast and bringing hope to the hopeless and encouraging those who are without courage, the kingdom of God breaks in, and there's a taste of that day, and that gives me joy, and that's part of the joy of Advent. I think it's good news. Michael likes it. <laughs> so, one, one word to describe that, of course, is the kingdom of God, right? The rule and reign of God. Come to earth. 
Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. The time has come. It's now. I've brought the rule and reign of God. And the great apostle Paul, in describing this to us, told us this. This is just one sentence out of uh, you know, his big letter to the church at Rome. And in this, in this letter, at this point, he's dealing with a problem they had about being too focused on rituals. You know, do you, do you eat the right food? Do you worship the right way? Do you do it on the right day? Do you, some say don't eat meat. Some say do eat meat. You know, some say you should be practicing Sabbath on God's Sabbath, which is Saturday. And some say, well, you Gentiles, it's okay. You can worship the Lord on any day that's special to you. And Paul said, listen, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat and what you drink. It is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is all about joy. God is full of joy. Heaven's coming to earth, and in the kingdom is great joy. All the words you said, this gladness that's regardless of circumstances, this sense of well-being. So kind of taking these ideas, God's the most joyful person, the gospel is not about how do I get to heaven when I die. It's about God bringing heaven to earth. Then I can know this in anticipation at Advent time. That we have a revelation that God is filling and will eventually saturate the earth with the joy of heaven. Can you picture that? Now what you think about is really important. And if you will think about the reality that God's plan is to saturate our planet with the joy of heaven, the most joyful place, the most joyful being, I don't know, to me that lifts me out of some of my stress. It gives me a perspective that's more like a deep river and not a bubbling brook. And I sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And joy can exist in the midst of sorrow. Do you, do you guys know the name Horatio Spafford? Who, who know? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Who knows that name before I just said it? Who knows an old hymn that goes like this? When peace like a river attendeth my is well with my soul. Do you know the story of that song? Would you like to know? Okay, Horatio Spafford was a lawyer in Chicago in the 1800s. And he was a follower of Jesus, and he was wealthy. And he lost everything in the Great Fire of 1871. Remember, there was a great Chicago fire? So he's decimated financially. He, um, there was also a, like a depression by 1873, financially messed up. He was working with a great evangelist named D.L. Moody. Some of you have heard that name. And D.L. Moody was getting ready to have big evangelism outreach in England, and he was going to go be part of it and support it. While he's dealing with the problems after the fire, all the financial loss, he sends his wife and three daughters ahead on a ship. On the way, the ship sinks, and his three daughters die in the accident. And his wife sends the, I guess that would be a telegram. I don't know how they did it in 1873, 71. Carrier pigeon, okay. Somehow she gets word to him, all is lost, only I am saved. He takes another ship eventually to go over to England to be with his wife and mourn. 
And as the ship gets to about the point where the previous ship sunk and his daughters were lost, he encountered the presence of God and wrote these words, which I printed out to make sure I get them right. Can I find them? Maybe I can't find them and I have to go by memory. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea bills roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And then the, the chorus goes, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. Joy, by the way, pervasive sense of wellness. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul, it is well. As well with my soul. And the, the, the third stanza. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. It is well, praise the Lord, it is well with my soul. He's lost everything, he's lost his children. But he has a vision of God's presence and God's future, and he has joy, and it's like a deep river, and it cannot take away his sense of okayness, his sense of joy, his sense of everything is ultimately, well, even though I'm in the pain of loss right now. Are you in the pain of loss right now? Does joy seem impossibly distant? It's not. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. And you and I, in the midst of sorrow, can still experience that peace and that hope and the joy that comes out of it from knowing the kingdom of God has come. He will see me through. He's seen me through every circumstance that I've had in my life up to this point. That's true of all of you. You are here. And every bad thing that happened to you, you made it through it. You made it through every bad thing that happened because you're here. You didn't die. You kept going. Wow. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The thing that I've been seen by vision only will be sight. This is the last verse of his song. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. A song in the night, oh my soul, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Uh, 1059. Yeah, let me read a psalm to you. You good still, by the way? It's good to talk about joy, I think. What you think about and thinking about what you believe is super important. Because if you think about what you believe and you really believe what you believe, you'll have joy. You know, in, in the world, the plan is, if you have loss, just think about something else, and maybe you can have joy. You know, just put it out of your mind. The Christian kind of joy says, think about the truth that is real and solid, and that what you believe about Jesus, and you will have joy. Uh, where did that go? I was going to read a psalm to you. Ah, psalm 89. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible because they actually kept closer to the original Hebrew there. It's 
what, what, that word that says the joyful sound is the teruah. And some of you have heard that, or teruah. The teruah, shout. It's the, it's the blasting of the trumpet, the shout of victory, the shout of joy. The joyful sound that's referred to here is, they would know this blasting of the trumpet that was used to signify victory and war. It was used to start the celebration of a festival, one of the Jewish festivals. It was used to announce, the year of Jubilee has come. Sound the trumpet, shout the alarm. You know, it's a shout of praise. Blessed are those who know the joyful sound. Oh, Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. In your name they rejoice all the day. By your righteousness they are exalted, for you are the glory of their strength. And by your favor our horn or our power is exalted. You know, blessed are you if you've experienced the ultimate trumpet sound and blast of joy you were saved. Jesus came, died for your sin, rose from the dead. You put your faith in him and your sins were washed away. You know the joyful sound. You know that at the end a trump's going to sound and the Lord himself will descend and bring heaven to earth. You know the joyful sound. You know the, the breaking in of his presence, his kingdom into your life and your circumstances because it's happened before and it's going to happen again and it might happen today. You know the joyful sound. Blessed are you because you walk in the light of God's countenance, his face, as it were, just shining upon you. And you rejoice all day. Complete victory. So you can say, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord is coming day by day. Joy to the world, the Lord will come. You can sing that song if you know this truth and you think about what you believe. God is full of joy. He's the most joyful person in the universe. God brings his joy to earth. That's his mission and his purpose, and I'm participating in that. God will eventually bring his fullness of joy to this planet, and the earth will be saturated in the joy of heaven. If you live in that, that's what Advent might be for you. You can really think, gives me joy. Now, because of that reality, the Bible actually commands us to be joyful many times. Because of the reality, not because of a burden, you better just suck it up, buttercup, and be joyful. Because there's no joy, but you have to believe in something, so make it up. Fake it till you make it. No! Get into the reality of God's joy, and you can have it. So Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Really, Jesus? Yeah. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. So think about what you believe. You're going to be rewarded in heaven. Probably the more you suffer, the more you get rewarded, in fact. So rejoice. You've made a really good investment, and it's going to pay good returns. And your inheritance is secure, because Jesus is keeping it secure. How about this? I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Think about what you believe. Your name is written in heaven. That gives me some joy. Nothing can take that away from me. Nothing's going to take that away from me. So... In uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonian Christians, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life. 
or Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Well, how do you do that when life sucks? <laughs> right? Does anyone, life sucks? <laughs> it doesn't actually suck as much as we think it does. We'll count your blessings, yes. You can count your curses or you can count your blessings. And you'll think about what you think about and it'll impact your life. <laughs> Did you see the smile on my face? I'm not faking it. It's really there. Listen to what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. He's talking about his death to his disciples. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. See, Christian joy can exist when there's pain and suffering. It's not a promise that you have no trouble. It's a promise that you have the presence of God to give you a sense of well-being in the midst of all your trouble. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Here's the picture he gives. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. That's the biggest understatement in the history of understatements. Have you ever given birth, ladies? Now, Kim Keller likes to say this is B.E., before epidural. No epidurals. You, you could die giving birth to this child. Serious pain. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. The pain doesn't stop the moment the baby is delivered, guys. If you thought that she's all good now, it still hurts. Doesn't it, ladies? For a while, maybe. I was there when my children were born. And it, my wife, I think weeks of recovery because there was some tearing involved. It was painful. So it doesn't, the pain doesn't go away, right? But he says, Jesus says, you know when that happens, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Somehow, the reality of what has come overshadows the pain of the delivery. So there is tremendous joy. I have a baby, and that overshadows the pain in my body from giving birth to this child. Jesus says, think about it that way. Now is your time of, of grief, but I will see you, and you will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away, and you will see me. You will see that I have risen. You will know experientially my presence in your life. And all of the pain and sorrow that you are facing and enduring will be diminished in the light of my presence and the joy in me. So think of it that way. That's how you endure in times of pain and suffering and still are a person who has joy like a deep river. It's empowered by hope and peace and love because the king has come. We're celebrating Advent, the arrival of Jesus at his birth today in his presence in my life and in the future when he consummates all of the world and all of the trouble into his kingdom. Heaven comes to earth. There's no more sorrow. There's no more mourning. There's no more death. There's no more war. It's going to happen. I think about it. I believe it. I know it. And I have joy today even when life kind of sucks joy. He gives me joy. Uh, this is how Jesus did it. How are you guys doing? Okay, so 
Think about this. God, in love, made a perfect world, put people in it with the option to experience fullness of life, and humanity turned on him and betrayed him in sin. And you did and I did and our forefathers did. And as a result, all hell has broken loose in our world because of sin and rejecting God. And God did not leave us to rot in our mess. But at infinite cost to himself came to this earth, born of a virgin, a child, vulnerable, put in a feeding trough, lived among us, showed us how to live, said he would go to a cross to bear the penalty of all of our sin and take it into himself and take it away if we would put our faith into him. Redeeming us. Think about this. The God who loves us said this, Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Then he sat down at the right hand of God, victorious, because, picture it, you and I are his joy. I am God's joy. He loves me so much. He's so joyful that he joyfully spends everything he has to redeem me from the mess that I made. Who does that? That's right. It's amazing love. And those people who know that know the joyful sound and they walk in the light of his countenance and they rejoice in this life. Not with a superficial joy that's on the surface, but a deep joy that gets us through the hardest times and the best times. We laugh and we have worship and praise and clapping of hands because we look not to our circumstances, but we look to our God who is above our circumstances, who will overcome us, overcome them and get us through. So we say joy to the world. The Lord has come. That's how it works. Thank you for your joy, Lord. We look to you for what you did. We look to you for what you are doing. We look to you for what you will do. And we are overcome with hope. We are overcome with peace. We are saturated with joy. Lord, let your kingdom come on us right now in this room. We pray, let your kingdom come. Let your ruling, reigning power with joy and hope and peace come upon this people in this room at this time right now. Let your kingdom come. Let the Spirit of God rest on every individual in this room. Lord, with your strong arm, Tear off layers of despair. Peel it off. And inject the oil of joy in person after person. Let your kingdom come. Listen, if, if someone is hearing me right now and you have never 
turned your life over to the God who's the most joyful being in the universe. Today is your day. He is calling you, come to me. I've made every effort that's necessary. I've paid the price. I've walked the mile. I have come. I have overcome. All you have to do is look to me and say, yes, I receive your gift. If you have not done that yet, this is your moment. If you've been thinking about it, don't wait anymore. This is your moment. Pull the trigger, sign the paper, <laughs> step across the line, dive into the water, whatever metaphor you want. Today is your day. The water is good. There's a bunch of us that have already dove, dived into the water, and we will tell you, get in. It's good. There's nothing like God coming into your life. It's so easy. He's made it so easy. Just look to him right now and say, okay, I give up the fight. I give you my life. I want you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. Forgive my sins. Make me new. I receive you, Jesus. It's time. It's my day. That was a prayer, by the way. Talk to God right now if you haven't given him your life. He will cause you to be born again because he, like the woman in the parable, went through the pain of giving birth on the cross. And for the joy set before him, he brought us into new birth. You will have new birth, new life. And Jesus says, you were worth it. You were worth it. You are my joy. And in that, I have joy. Amen. Let's stand together. The worship band, as you know, been here before, know what's going to happen. They're going to worship the Lord and invite us into some worship with them. There'll be some people on the front area who love to pray. There's power in prayer if you are here and you are struggling if you are here and you are struggling with heaviness let them pray with you and see if God will lift it off today if you are here and you are just saying I'm that one that today I said yes to Jesus yes to the Messiah come and tell them let them pray with you and rejoice with you and maybe you know, connect with, the, with you in a way to help you with your next steps. If you have sickness in your body, the Lord is present to heal because his kingdom is here and his presence is here. Let them pray and see if today is a day of miracles for you. Come and get prayer as needed. Let's go rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.